0: battered emotions. No more David, for that was finished, and she had to resurrect herself from the small death which had come only a short time ago. As she feasted on the view, it was as if by some trick of time and light she were being mentally enfolded by crags, peaks, fissures. Her father had been right. The grandeur and beauty of the view helped to put her own small concerns and pain as a human into perspective. It seemed as though this spot could magically sweep her small anguish into its proper place. The awesome wonder of the vast range of mountains was already doing its work. When she felt the unexpected stab of pain in her neck, she thought, almost lazily, that she had been stung by a bee. She tried to put her hand up to trap the insect and was puzzled when she could not get her arm above shoulder height. She did not panic. It was as if she viewed her strange situation from very far away. The numbness seemed to spread from where she had been stung on the neck. First, her arms became immobile. Then she experienced a not unpleasant sense of her entire body being invaded, so that she could not move at all. This is a dream. I shall wake in a moment, she thought, trying unsuccessfully to smile. For there was her dead father, waving, running up the flower-dotted slope towards her. Then the darkness smothered everything. The people who ran the small restaurant found her body just before dusk. The next morning, James Bond was finishing his last cup of breakfast coffee and contemplating a lazy weekend, which included dinner that night with a young woman called Charlotte Helpful, when the telephone rang, banishing all plans for the next few weeks, let alone fun and games with the pleasantly named Miss Helpful. Before we begin, Captain Bond, I'd like you to take a look at this photograph. M slid a mat, eight by ten, black and white print across his desk. His mood had been somber from the moment Bond had entered the room. It had been Moneypenny, the chief's secretary, who summoned Bond to the suite of offices occupied by M and his personal staff, on the ninth floor of the anonymous building overlooking Regent's Park. You ought to go straight in, take no notice of that. She had nodded towards the door above which the familiar red Do not enter, light flashed. As Bond took a pace forward, Moneypenny dropped her voice. He's got a pair of our sisters in there. She gave him a quick little smile before looking away, a fierce blush scalding her cheeks. The torch she carried for James Bond was no secret to anyone in the building. The sisters were a man and woman from the security service MI5, introduced to Bond as Mr. Grant and Miss Chantry. A portly man dressed in the dark-suited Whitehall uniform and a rather frumpish young woman, sitting to attention, inflexible, with her backside perched on the edge of her chair. Both of these officers looked uncomfortable, for members of the security service are seldom at ease when circumstances force them to ask favours of the secret intelligence service. There was little doubt in Bond's mind that they were here to crave a boon from M. He glanced at the photograph of a young woman, possibly in her early thirties with light blonde hair and a pixieish, pleasant face. "'Should I recognise her, sir?' Bond raised his eyebrows in query. Only you can answer that, Captain Bond. M remained unsmiling. I am aware that there are occasional cross-fertilizations between our service and our sisters. She's one of yours? Bond addressed Miss Chantry. Was one of ours? Impatient, but somehow full of suspicion. He thought he could also detect a tiny fleeting stab of pain in her voice, and saw it pass across her face, there, one minute, gone the next. He turned back to his chief. No, sir. No, I don't recognize the young lady. M nodded, then looked across at Grant. Tell him what you've just told me. His tone was not unfriendly, but nobody could doubt that the old man was in one of his tough, all-business moods. Grant, in his mid-forties, had a prissy mouth and a tendency to be fussy, his hands constantly straightening his tie or brushing imaginary lint from his trousers. Bond put him down as a desk man. Personnel or accounts. After clearing his throat a couple of times, and fiddling with his cufflinks, Grant began tentatively. Her name is Laura March, age thirty-five. Been with our service for ten years. Worked five years with the Watcher Division, then moved on to anti-terrorist intelligence. Mainly analysis of raw information. Very good record. Knew her stuff. For a second he paused, as if treading on uncertain ground. And? Don gave him an encouraging smile. She's disappeared with the family jewels? She's dead.